Welcome back to the Ojogo Bonito podcast with me, Jay Cron, Mr. Jennings, Mr. Ferguson. But we also have a special guest here, Mr. Parrott. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me on today. I look forward to talking about all things football and some things Chelsea. <laughs> Welcome to the Lion's Den. <clears throat> <clears throat> wow, well, what, what a week it's been for football, Premier League football and Chelsea. Um, where do we start, Mr. Parrott? Well, <clears throat> we could talk about uh, Chelsea's FA Cup run, but that was over before this week. Um, the Champions League coming up next week, we are still in just about. And I gave up on Premier League hopes somewhere in the middle of February, uh, which is quite a strange thing as a Chelsea fan. It's about the first time in my lifetime of about 25 years, 20 or so consciously supporting Chelsea because before then I was focused on other things like fitting blocks through holes and turning up at nursery on time. Um, it's the first time I remember really sort of giving up on a season come February because uh, at least previously in 2012 I was either young enough and naive enough to believe that we could still win the Champions League when in fact we did despite being what 3-1 down to Napoli after the first leg and went on a fantastic run but it just doesn't feel like we have that je ne sais quoi at Chelsea anymore which is a shame. What what's been the ma- what's been the main change? I think we we haven't had a world beating squad for a while. I think ever since we lost that Terry <coughs> Lampard Drogba group, those sort of real leaders, spine who, of the team. Yeah, spine of the team. We haven't had a really great team in every position since almost then, and we've brought in fantastic players. I think Eden Hazard was brilliant for us, but also terrible in the way that we still got results, but didn't have to play well. We could play games very poorly and then it'd be like, oh, Hazard decided five minutes he's going to win the game for us and he would. And I think you can become a victim of that and suffer and not have as good a, a side <clears throat> because of that overall. Um, so I think we haven't really addressed structurally our recruitment since then and have brought in players who necessarily haven't fit a system. And we look like a team that has been assembled for a variety of different managers with no cohesive idea of where we're heading. And we've got lots of players who are very good in lots of different systems, but we don't have lots of players that fit the same system. The recruitment side of things is is particularly um, bizarre. I mean, to be honest, we've been absolutely slating Chelsea most weeks since the January transfer window. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a United fan, it's nice to for Chelsea to pick up the um, you know pick up the the helm as it would be as the absolute number one Premier League banter club for uh, for, for, for for a bit of time. Um, but there's lots of parallels between the United and you and I have spoken about this before. Lots of parallels between Man United's. Um, Time under the glazes and and what what looks to be the you know the start of a, of a of a long tenure under um, Todd Bowley at Chelsea, but United United didn't spend in this way straight away. Um, mm. And and I, what what surprises me about this, and this is where I my question to you about Potter and 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 the owner here in terms of who's running the club, is the number of signings they've made, and is this is this a tactic that you think is, is 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 going to work, and 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 if not, what what do you think the motivation is behind that approach? I think in January we were pressured into having to make signings because we won't be able to make the signings of the same magnitude come the summer because right. we won't be in the big major European competitions, which yeah. instantly you lose that appeal to top players. Sure, and if you stop recruiting top players who can help you challenge for Champions League and Premier League titles, you're stuck doing what Spurs did for a long period of time, which would recruit the second tier of players and never win anything. Yeah. 
Because if you're t- stuck in that cycle where you're not recruiting top players, you're never going to be a top team. Sure. And you can build that up in a very slow and roundabout cycle, which the Newcastle are going through at the minute quite well. But we sort of have one last window to go away and pluck at top European talent and take them, commit them to long deals, and hopefully some of them pan out in the long term. Some of them are looking good yeah. already. But again, they're young players. They're not going to come in and make an instant impact straight that, away. And you're right to draw parallels there with, with Newcastle in terms of the, the different approach to this kind of this new ownership that they've both both clubs are now are now experiencing. Newcastle have gone and signed, I think probably that th- what they've done is they've built the spine first. So 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 they went with um the the Dutch centre half who I really like, mm. uh, whose name is gonna um Go on, JK. Sven Botman. It's Sven Botman. Left-footed yeah. um, centre half as well. Quality. Yeah. Bruno Gumieres in, in midfield, and then Isaac up top. They've they've put that sort of spine in place, and and they've sort of done that. At Newcastle, I keep thinking Newcastle haven't spent much money. They have spent a, a decent amount of money, in, you know, in that first in that first window in particular. Um, so I don't know. Do you, and and I guess the, the the big question is, is Potter going to last? I think Potter was brought in because they think the ownership group thinks he will fit long-term. I don't think there was any expectations that he was going to come in and turn around the club this season. I think if that was the expectation from lots of people, they aren't as familiar with what Potter's done through his managerial career. He's yeah. built projects. If you look at what he did all the way back out, I apologise for that pronunciation, Ustersund. Right. It took time. He went in, he had to implement his philosophy slowly and that's always going to take time anywhere you go. It took time at Swansea, it took time at Brighton. So I think expecting this season him to come in and instantaneously be success as a manager was never going to be his 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 gig. That's not his thing. He couldn't come in and yeah. turn around and come in with a new system and go, this is what we're going to do. Because that's that's not what he does. What he does is he helps build that philosophy throughout. I think Chelsea are clearly aiming for this multi-club model and they're putting the stuff in behind in the back rooms behind Potter to have sort of a cohesive idea for recruitment so it's going to take time yeah admittedly if the season is a disaster there'd be red flags you'd probably want to move on but if he hasn't had a proper pre-season he had to come in midway through he's had i think squads turnover that's been ridiculous due to an injury list that is unfathomably long the amount of new players coming in he's essentially had to turn over his starting 11 and make five six changes week on week out which is is never going to help in any way and if you look now just as we start to have we have bringing together a squad of full fitness Thiago Silva's gone yeah like we haven't been able to have Chilwell Reese James Thiago Silva and Angolo Kante all on the pitch this year yeah I'd actually forgotten that Reese James and and Angolo Kante were actually still Chelsea players it's been that long (laughs) since they've been able to play for them yeah, I think especially with Kante. And when you look at our team and go, oh, it'd be great if we had someone who could do this in midfield. It's like, well, yeah, we've got the guy in the world who's probably the best at it, winning the ball, cycling possession, transitioning into attack. But he's injured. It's like, well, what do you do in that situation? There's no fix. And also the medical staff got sacked before before the season started. So I'm not sure whether Chelsea had many injuries last season. Not as many, but then if we look at the players who've had injuries, they are injury-prone players. And I think with any medical staff, you come into any establishment, you need to have that familiarity with the players and to know how to load manage them. I think they've been more cautious in recent weeks in managing load. But then, obviously, we brought in Fafana. He was injured when we brought him in. Rich James has to some degree an injury history, and clearly it's not been right. And then there's also been a lot of comments about how our preseason was handled. I think there were reports out a few weeks ago that players were saying it's the worst, the players, pre-season, yeah, yeah. worst pre-season they've ever had 
um, just because it's felt very, very commercial, which it uh, it was, um, and it wasn't geared to getting them ready for the season. So that could be a contributing factor as well. But I think it is a multi-layered problem. How how much time does he have? How how much time would you give him? I would definitely give him a pre-season. Well, depending on how the season ends. If if this season ends and we're somehow in relegation contention, then I think the change needs to be now. But then the issue is you only move away from him if someone else becomes available. If you're look, sat there and going, well, who else is available? No one. Luis Enrique? Yeah, I, I think he's the name that's been, been mentioned, but it's more he's been mentioned because he's available uh, rather than he's someone big who's become available. I, I think he's done a job, but then it'd be what, what are we aiming to build with Luis Enrique? Do we bring him in and go, you're our new long-term project guy, then when results don't work because the players don't fit his style. Jose? Oh. Oh. He, he came, he's just been sent off again at Roma. Yeah, he's had another red card. But also, when Jose Mourinho first arrived to Chelsea, it was not off the back of a distant... Mind you, they, they finished second in that season, right? But a similar spend had taken place. And um, Jose came in and settled things down. I, I, my my um, the, the, the challenge Potter faces, I think, is that he has built had time to build squads, as you said. And that has often mean... I meant looking at existing um, uh, strengths and weaknesses and then identifying replacements for those over, over a set period of time. I wonder how many of those signings are his signings mm-hmm. and how many of them are, you know, the most expensive championship manager player well, currently wasn't there on, that on the about, Was it Mudrick that Potter said, oh, yeah, that transfer seems to be going along quite well. I'm not really involved in it, to be honest. Yes, yeah, that that was something like that. So it's whether so it's how much of that is. I mean, the Sterling signing you and I, we spoke about this before was yeah. was that a Potter signing? Well, I I wouldn't say it was at that at that point in time. Or obviously not. It was in the summer. So yeah, he's he's not going to be signed for him. He's a good player. Yes, and he can contribute things. And I think I think it was Conte who went off about how the manager gets all the blame when in fact you have teams behind the manager who yeah. who are in charge of signings. I don't know how many managers in the modern game are actually in charge of signings anymore. Yeah. I, I think very few, like Jürgen, Jürgen Klopp voices his frustrations about lack of signings. He's clearly not in charge of signings at, at Liverpool. It's the sporting directors behind the scenes. Sure. Is Ten Hag in charge of signings at Man U or do you have sporting directors behind the scenes there? I think he has more of a say. And but mm. that, you've, you've nailed a really good point there. And I think this is where with Potter, I think there is a... I think there is an accept, certainly from when I think about my own rather naive football knowledge, and I think about some of these managers that come from overseas that I don't know much about that have you know performed domestically in their in in their countries, and they come over and they don't do well, and I think, well, actually, you know, okay, fine, you know, I don't know much to compare that to. Maybe you weren't up, cut out for the mm. job and all those sorts of things. But with Graham Potter, you look at him and you go, you know, he's done a really, really good job, like a phenomenally good job in the Premier League. He's gone to a he's gone to Chelsea. It hasn't worked yet. Um, but therefore, you then do start to think, well, there's other things going on here. There's yeah. other things that perhaps are outside of his control that, that are factoring into this. Um, but there's a lot of personalities there to manage. There, there are a lot of personalities. I think also the, the big thing at Chelsea is we're missing a striker. And that seems to be, even with the Nkuku signing, I looked at yeah. it and I just went, that's, that's not what they need. Yeah. I mean, but then, then how many world-class strikers are there? But there Out has there. to be someone who you can sign because currently Chelsea's top scorer is Kai Havertz with five. And and Fred's got more goals than uh, Chelsea in 2023. But at, but at the same time, it's it's much simpler than than that. In terms of recruitment, there's usually an idea that the sporting director and the manager are in, in consensus. There is that at Chelsea. 
because Paul Winstanley yeah. is is a Graham Potter ally. Um, Baghdad Ekbali, one of the co-owners, is was pivotal to getting Mudrik, uh, Enzo Fernandez as well, and ultimately Potter. Once he decides on a system, he will know which players will fit it and which won't. And as we've seen at Man United and many clubs around the world, it's system before player, really. Yeah, I think again that I think that's the that's the problem with Chelsea. We've got so many players we brought in over so many different regimes to fit different systems, and that doesn't work. Yeah. I think long term, you need to look at bringing in players to suit a, suit a system. You need to have that multi club model which works effectively, and you can bring in new players and plug them and play them into your system. If yeah. you have lots of players who want to play different systems can't put them on the same pitch if you look at Chelsea they've evolved through back fours back fives midfield threes midfield twos double pivots single pivots everything over the last four weeks if not four years um, you're not going to do the best in your role if your role is consistently changing if they asked me to go out and teach a different subject every day I would do my best I'd still probably do a pretty poor job yeah. and yeah, until yeah. you settle on that system you can't really work on perfecting it I think that's what Tuchel did very well is he worked with a squad where he never really had a defined system his system was the counterpunch so you look at each each week and he was set up differently but he was set up differently to exploit weaknesses as opposed to go out and dominate and impose his style on the game and that's why he was so good against managers like Pep Guardiola who would prepare meticulously because you couldn't prepare to play Tuchel because he would be thinking well how do I prepare to play against you yeah how do I set up my side to Duck your punch and could, smack you back. Could we see a return of Tuchel? I think Tuchel's, Tuchel's issue, and it's always been historically stated, he has he falls out with ownership groups. And he had that issue at PSG. And I I don't know why he'd, he'd come back. I think we're going to stick with Potter till the end of the season and see see what happens. Because well, what, who do we bring in now? What changes? No, you're right. It's it, it would make little sense to disrupt everything now after he's... After he's spent the money, well, he supposedly spent the money. I think, I think, provided as you've said, this with 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 the greatest respects, and I say this as a United fan who's been in similar positions over recent years. There's not a great deal to play for, <clears throat> but it makes little sense to get rid of him now that he's got the players available. Can he get some sort of run together that that goes to the end of the season mm. that puts you know momentum into 2023-24? I guess is the the sensible option. And then if he hasn't make a change over the summer where, as you've said, a proper preseason can probably yeah. get some fresh ideas across. Well, like you said, over the summer, it's going to be interesting because the chances are Chelsea won't have European football. They're still 10 points off the Europa League spots at the moment. So to you, if you get into the summer and you don't have European football, what would you do in terms of, of any signings or squad revamping? I think that's why we had to go so aggressively in January. I think we've almost rolled in those two windows to one yeah. and gone, okay, we're not going to go out and attack, attract the same profile as player because you're not. If, you can't, if you're not playing in the Champions League, I think you've seen it as Man United fans. Yeah. You don't. The same profile player just doesn't want to come and play for you. And then that's where you risk going out and spending lots of money on players who aren't up to it. And you can't buy players as Chelsea. Well, we want to be in the Champions League next season. We can't go and buy players who aren't capable of playing in the Champions League because we know it's going to be a one-year thing, which is yeah. just a silly waste of money. And we've got plenty of players in the squad at the minute who aren't really up to that level and need moving on rather than adding to that, adding to those ranks. I believe you've got 31 players in your yeah, squad. Yeah, 31. Um, we have a new segment which we introduced a couple of episodes ago where since you get a piece of pen, a paper, 
and sorry, piece of pen, a piece of paper and a pen. I'd like to see you find a piece of pen. <laughs> Is that the game? That's a right. That's a really yeah, interesting actually, segment. There's actually a piece of pen in this. Stu- there's actually a piece of pen in this studio from when <laughs> I think I was watching some England. Uh, there was some England cricket going on, and I think someone hold out and I slammed a pen into the floor and it shattered. There is a piece of pen in this studio somewhere. I can't believe this. But well, there's, uh, the, there's the name of the segment. <laughs> so, so ultimately, we, using the squad or potential players, we can uh, you come up with your starting eleven and squad. Um, so. You can recruit players. So, <laughs> What's, what, what what are we doing? Uh, so, I've got the Chelsea squad up here, um, and ultimately, if you want to make signings, you can make signings. Um, Essentially, we're, we're trying to build a squad that's going to get Chelsea back to its glory. Uh, uh, fine. Realistically, okay. realistically, we're not just going to go out and say that they're going to sign Mbappe and Haaland and Bellingham all in one window. Okay. So you can't take the Bayern Munich approach and sign anyone good at any competitor in the domestic league? Uh, <laughs> it has to be quasi-realistic at least. Yeah, it, it, a few outgoings if you want to make a few incomings as well, you know. What are you going to do in terms of of that? Um, and while everyone's now hunkering down, uh, I don't have a piece of paper in front of me, so I'm I'm going to look at the squad on here. But I'm also going to keep talking so that there's something for the podcasters to listen to while we go. Well, I can I can start I can kick things off if you like, sir. I'm I'm pretty good to go. Are you pretty good to go? Yeah, already? yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm I'm quite happy with this. I I don't think there's much more Chelsea need. If I'm being honest, I think this is I think Mr. Parrot has kind of highlighted what I think the main issue is and that's now consistency and having players available to to get a bit of a, a, a you know three weeks worth of fixtures together and 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 without rotating too many some players I haven't seen a lot of so what I say is probably going to be a bit naive but let's start with the back four um and the back five actually I think if Chelsea are looking in at one area they possibly need to look at a goalkeeper I was going to ask about that because it, yeah. it suddenly came to my mind what the the goalkeeping situation is like I've never personally been convinced that Kepa should stay at Chelsea no. because of that display in the League Cup final a few seasons back. Sure. And I think that really... I mean, he's he's done well since then, in fairness to him. Um, and I think he fits Potter's system better than he fitted Tuchel's system. Yeah. Um, by the looks of things, by the look of his playing time, at least. Yeah. Um, but I, I've never been convinced that he actually deserves to stay there because I don't think... As a manager, you can really afford to allow that kind of petulance. Yeah, I, th- I think we can't we can't hark back to the League Cup. Unfortunately, the the window to deal with that was probably what three managers ago. Yeah, um, and I, I I personally am loving the Kepper redemption arc. He has come back, and his stats have looked very very good. I think he was one of the better goalkeepers for expected goals prevented in the league this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact number. Well, I can tell you actually, your your expected goals against is twenty nine point seven. Uh, and you're currently 4.7 goals down from that. But um, you've, yeah, you've been exceptional in, in defence. It's just the problem's also been there in attack as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we can't attack. I think Kepa, I think I think those numbers look even better, I think, specifically for Kepa. Because I remember at the start of the season, I think we were playing differently under under Tuchel. I think there was the period Edouard Mendy was in goal. I don't know. I've blocked out a lot of Chelsea's season for reasons. Um but I, I I would be happy with Kepper. He seems to have grown and again it's 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 that, that point of availability. Who is out there that we could bring in and go, this goalkeeper is going to improve us measurably. Um who's on the market? How many good ball playing goalkeepers are there? 
was was not not very many. There's, Kepa's there's, distribution's what, good. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a um a, a keeper very in a very similar mold to um uh Donnarumma. I think is is one or the or the guy that's now at PSG. What's his um. Donnarumma, yeah. It is Donnarumma, isn't it? Uh, very, very similar in, in, in that sense. Very good in terms of distribution stuff, but actually when it comes down to the shot-stopping side of things is is not is not actually there. And then you've got the guy at Athletic Madrid, JK. Jan Oblak. Yeah, yeah, who's the polar opposite, who is a great shot-stopper, but not your not your build-up playing. Donnarumma's not particularly good with his feet either. JK mm. has a thing against Donnarumma. Does he? Yeah, I, I think Keylon Navas is better. <laughs> I, I, I agree, I agree. I think, I think Donnarumma, he bought into his own hype far too early. Right. And then had that big move away from AC Milan boyhood club moved to PSG and then there's a reason he was being benched for yeah, I mean, he, he looked good though I mean uh, so so, that, so I, I would start with I would start with the goalkeeper um, and, and look at that I think back four is it, when, when you hear this back four Reese James Fafana Silva Chilwell I think on paper that's 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 great but I think if you if you also consider Silva's age and Chilwell's fitness levels there's perhaps Perhaps a need to reinvest in a in a in a longer term left back. Well, Cucurella's there actually, isn't he as well? So yeah, Cuc- he's got uh, Cucurella's there. Something there. Um, Lewis Hall is coming through from the academy, so he's more of a he prefers centre midfield, but he has sort of deputised in that role and looked look not great, but he's he's looked good and looked sort of mature beyond his years. Um, yes. Whether he'll end up as a left back, who knows? But I think in a five at the back system, he could play left wing back fairly effectively but then I think that's Chelsea's aim at the minute is to turn every winger possible into some sort of wing back player um, good luck with Sterling um, so <laughs> it works for Conte for a while that <laughs> Victor Moses reimagined as a wing back in what season whatever season what that was 16, we stormed, 17 I think yeah, we stormed the title with Moses and Marcus Alonso who <laughs> who thought that would be the, the best wing back pairing to have graced Chelsea's uh, it's very very true and then midfield three um I've I've gone with something that's quite familiar. I've gone with Kante, Kovacic, and Mount. I think Mount gets a lot of stick. I think he's a good player. I think he's out of form, but but I, I think Mount with the run of games and 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 being held it, it, to accountable in a position as opposed to being kind of one of these players that feels like they do lose their position. Um, throughout you do realise that by putting Kante in that midfield, that you are then going to have to make sure you have someone to cover for him when he gets injured half the season. Well, this is where I think Enzo Fernandez is is the, you know going to be a going to be a long term solution for Chelsea is in that is in is in that role. Um, but I think they probably need a tad more experience presently in a starting eleven. And then I would go Mudrich on the left, uh, Mudawaki on the right, yeah. and then what I don't have an answer for is the striker. Yeah, um, I've I've, I've 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 picked my team as if it lines up sort of next season. Nice. Um, so Kepper in goal, uh, Chilwell left back, obviously fully fit by then. I think it's crossed, and then I've gone for a mid uh, midfield centre back pairing of Badia Shiel and Fofana, because I think we're going to have to start using Silver like a luxury player. He's he's going to have twenty games a season. I think we save him for the big games and we develop the younger guys in the everyday games. I think Silver comes in, he provides that calm head, and plays well in those games. And he's going to be a huge impact on the training pitch with those players, and he can go to them and to help help them with this, that, and the other. Bigger games, Silver obviously comes in, but he's going to start picking up more knocks. He's getting older; it's unfortunate. Um, and then Reese James at right back, he's already picking up knocks despite being young. So head of the curve. It's a it's a worry, isn't it? A it little, is a worry. As an England fan as well, mm. it's just a little bit of a worry. It is concerning. I'm hoping so. It's an ongoing issue at the minute. I think the point is we're trying to bring him back pretty, pretty, pretty sharpish, and that's that's not working. Then uh, 
pair holding. We've got Enzo and Kante. I think between them, we've got dynamic running. You can move the ball forward. Um, Enzo's distribution already has looked really, really good. Uh, his issue is he gets run past a lot. And Kante, I think, can help solve that. Then Mudrik on the left. He looked a threat when he's played. He's obviously had that illness. He's coming over from a different country. That's always complicated. And then on the right, Madueki. He, again, looks exciting. He's direct. He adds impetus to the attack. And then is this bit at the front where I have lots of question marks. Right now in the 10 spot, I've gone for Havertz slash Mount. I think that's very situational. I think you go for Mount when you need someone to drop them into midfield more or Havertz when, say, you need to attack. I don't think Chelsea know what attacking is at the minute. <laughs> and then up front, either Felix slash Nkuku because they do similar roles and it would just sort of depend on... Well, we, we always need to score. It's just... Mm. If, you, if you had the option to bring anyone in, would you... I or think, do you think it's more important that this squad just needs time to gel now? I think they just need time to gel. I think we've got the players, we've got the quality. I just think they need time to actually figure it out. Like You look at that team and you've got Fofana was a £70 million centre-back, Enzo Fernandez, £100 million midfielder, Mudrik and Madueki, that's £100 million worth of wingers. <laughs> you've got the players, they just, they just need to gel, they need to figure each other out. And like someone like Enzo Fernandez... He needs to have that familiarity with someone like Modric to figure out when to put the balls in. Like, Diogo and Costa and Cesc Fabregas were at their most effective when they had that full season together. I think it was the first game against Burnley and Cesc Fabregas just out of nowhere pings the ball over the top. Diego Costa runs through and scores. I don't like thinking about that Diego Costa at Chelsea season. Yeah. That, was, that was a bad time as a non-Chelsea fan. Yeah, but that, there was just that link-up from Cesc Fabregas deep in midfield. I, I don't know how he knew that run was going to happen other than familiarity with the players. True. I've gone for a very, very attacking Chelsea team based on high possession, high ball retention. So I've got this is a Mr. Ferguson suggestion, which I stole from last time. Mamadishvili in goal uh, from Valencia. He's a very good shot stopper, decent with his feet because La Liga is a highly technical league. I will say to your point uh, earlier that about, about Kepa's fantastic numbers, He's. Uh, I'm looking on FB ref at the moment and his, his post shot expected goals minus goals allowed you want a positive number in this, basically, uh, is plus 5.6, uh, which is exceptional. I think so, David Dea's prime season in 17-18 was something like 8, 9, 10, maybe. Yeah, so I think, bear in mind, he's 5.6 and he hasn't finished the season yet. Mm. And also, I don't... I, 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 what, are his, what are his starts at the minute over there? Um, it, well, that, that number per 90 is, 0.36, is plus 0.36. So he's preventing what, point f- a goal oh, every three games. Yeah which when you're not scoring is important. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, I've got... Oh, actually, I forgot, about, I forgot about this guy. You've got Malagusta coming in the summer yes. as well. Yeah, right um, back. I think he'll, again, help us manage James's minutes. And also, for he's be very key for ball progression. So I've gone simply put, same back four. Uh, I'm playing a single pivot with Enzo, and I'm going very attacking with two number 10s, three eights, essentially, Mudrik and Felix, with sort of, if you want to go for more defensive uh, games, you've got Kovacic, you've got... Chukwameka as well. I've also brought in Jacob Ramsey as an additional pivot player slash okay. f- uh, number eight because his numbers are very, very good. And he's a very... Actually, when I compared him to... When I looked at Frankie Diong and I compared him uh, to similar players in FB ref, Jacob Ramsey was one of them. Hmm. Um, on the left, I've got Nkunku or Sterling. I've brought in Gonzalo Ramos because I think you need that striker. Taram, Taram is a free transfer. I would also keep... Uh, 
David Dutra for Fauna. I've seen a little yeah. bit, and I think he could be a very useful weapon off the bench. And then Noni Madueke on the right with Ziyech because you want two left yeah. footers. Yeah. Uh, and I would... Uh, my outgoings have simply put uh, Koulibaly, Pulisic, Gallagher, uh, Bro- Brozier. I've got rid of Mount Havertz and Kante uh, to, to facilitate this. And Ramos could well turn into Osman as well. So that's yeah. that's the idea mm-hmm. behind that. We've got to hope. As we say goodbye to both of our esteemed guests this week, um, as they both need to run off and go and teach. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Parrott. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, if I get invited in the future, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, so it's a it's a wrap for Jogo Bonito this episode, guys. Uh, predictions will be will be emailed, and we'll review them next time. Uh, just before we go, actually, uh, Mr. Ferguson, can we get the predictions league up? Yes, because we can. I was listening to my the ep- couple episodes, and I do think um, I do think I smashed it. Uh, you 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 did smash both it and me. Um, <laughs> so I, I, so I remember I got the Carabao Cup result perfect. Uh, the Carabao Cup, I actually beat you on. Um, no, I got two 0 you got one of the, you. You got the no, I'm talking about Carabao Cup. You got the Fulham Leeds result correct, and you also got the correct result in Manchester United West Ham. Uh, but you got all of the other games wrong that uh, in that <laughs> midweek, um, and I pulled out a correct four 0 Arsenal Everton, <laughs> which I was very smug about. I'll be honest. Um, so I sneaked you by a point that week. However, um, the episode that went out last Friday, you rather went to town with your with your scores you got eight correct results out of our selection uh and you got three correct scores in that as well uh which were the correct the perfect results and the perfect scores were Sorry. Fulham Wolves one all uh, it was Manchester United Newcastle United 2-0 in the Carabao Cup final yeah that, that's what I was referencing actually uh and you also got the old firm derby correct as well yeah I I, I remember seeing that I was very upset when I saw that <laughs> Uh, whereas I got six results and no scores. I think that's the first time I've not had a correct score. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that does mean in terms of overall totals, you are now back in the lead. By how many points? Three. It's getting tight. We've got two weeks left. Yeah, two weeks left. Um, I'm in the lead, and you know what? Long may continue. (laughs) It's a it's a wrap for another episode of Ojogo Bonito Chelsea in Crisis. That'll be the title. Um, until next time, take care, have a good one, and uh, peace.